Well, guys, I am thrilled to be hanging out in the Netherlands with my new friend, Leland. Yeah. Leland Mooring, everybody, who we, first of all, we've been doing this for a week, which has been fantastic. Yes, it's been amazing. But, I mean, this has just been such a good time, this whole trip. Uh, yeah. But we got to do both Open Skies Festival, yep. both in Ireland. Started in Ireland. And now here in Holland uh, for Open Skies Netherlands. Leland is just, in addition to being just a beautiful singer, what an amazing songwriter who's written so many of my favorite worship songs. Oh, uh, Line in the Lamb, Where You Are. I didn't know until recently that you wrote, um, didn't you write uh, Carried to the Table? Yes, yeah. I love that, that was song. Actually, and that was actually me and my mother. Wow. So me and my mom wrote that song. Um, and so yeah, what was really special about that is my, so started like getting little song ideas and little melodies and, and uh you know, little song starts, I guess, when mm. I was about 11. And because uh, we, mom and dad are very musical, so I grew up watching them lead worship. Yeah. My dad was kind of like an MD for a lot of churches growing up, so plays piano and would play B3 organ and kind of go between the two to maybe bass guitar. Mm. And so he would work with the bands growing up and then watch mom. She would teach these kind of massive East Texas, Southern, uh, big hunter voice choirs, you know. Hmm. and sort of arranging parts. She's a singer. So I grew up watching really them do that. And so really our house was like, you were just, there was no choice. You were going to end up doing music of some kind. Wow. Um, you know, it was just inevitable. And so started getting little melody ideas, and Mom and Dad really started helped, you know, um, cultivating that in our house. Uh, you know, Mom coming over saying, what do you feel like the song needs to say? And mm. Dad kind of coming over and saying, "What do you, does this chord sound right? You know, and playing different chords. And so it was really, it was a really sweet time when I was really young. And, and I look back on that and really cherish it. And then when I was 15, there was a, a, a friend of ours, pastor friend of ours. He, um, he had a really crazy testimony uh, through a lot of a really wild childhood. And, and um, so he would rarely share his testimony because it was just really close to his heart and it was really tough to get through mm. emotionally. Um, but the, the two times I heard him share it, um, he titled the sermon Carried to the Table. Mm. And he would tell the story of Mephibosheth in the Bible and, yeah. and kind of liken it to his personal story with Jesus. And uh, yeah, he did that. It was the second time for me to hear it. And the first time I heard it, I was 11. Second time I heard it, I was 15. Wow. And and uh, heard this story, and I was just so, like, impacted by his testimony and by the story of Mephibosheth that I'd kind of just never had heard before. Mm. And came back home and uh, had the chorus, and then me and my mom sat in our living room couch and finished the song together. Well, that was when you were 15? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And I've been, and I mean, I'm 41, and I've been singing that song for how many Man. years? Oh. I just, because I knew about a lot of the others. I didn't know that was your song. And I think especially because... The table, as in we're like the Eucharistic table, the Lord's yes, table has yes, become yes. so central. Yes. That song, it's like has become almost all the more important in that way because You're the right. idea of being carried to that table. To that table. And that sometimes that you need others, that you need a community yes. to carry. Yes. Or that, you know, sometimes we're not. Uh, I've like so much of the first half of my life, I was always the one carrying. But then to that. know the feeling <laughs> of like the man uh, who's carried on the mat to Jesus in Mark 5, like of needing to be carried yes. to the table. I said, there's yes. so much bound up in that. Oh, I can't exactly. believe you wrote that at 15. Well, the, what's, uh, what's amazing is that, you know, that the chorus came and, and the chorus is very simple, but all the, all the verse storytelling that sort of, we really stuck to the, we wanted to stick to the story of Mephibosheth because there was so much in it and that we resonated with. 
And so lyrically, a lot of that was my mom. You wow. Know? And and which which makes people tell me would you know would tell me after that song they were like, man, you wrote that sixteen. It sounds like a mm. really person who's been through a lot of life. And I'm like, mm. well, there was a person who's been through a lot of life in the I room see. with me. You know, that's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know my mom and dad have you know they've been through hell. You know, and and mm. just and watching them maintain their. Uh, fight off resentment and yeah. fight off bitterness over yeah. the years uh, towards church and, and ministry and still maintaining some kind of childlike heart in the middle of it all mm. uh, that's that was that's just them that's who they are wow. you know so I've um, yeah I learned a lot by watching them that's over all. the years now I tell you something though and I want to talk more about your family and that background and stuff but talking about you writing songs that young coming up in a musical family it was so interesting because one of the things we got to do here was on Tuesday, yes. the songwriting retreat. Oh, it was amazing. And of course, I'm not a songwriter. I just get to hang out with the cool songwriting people. <laughs> no, I just get to be in the room. And uh, your, I, your words are we're dropping dry wood on the fire of everybody's creativity like the entire oh, time. It really was. And that's really encouraging. It, it was fuel for the whole weekend. But keep going. Sorry. Well, thank you. No, that's really kind. I mean, I just I did do a talk, but otherwise I was I mostly just got to hang around. And it was so interesting because I don't think I even got to tell you this because I was in the room on the other side of the room catching up on some things when y'all were working on one of the songs and then I didn't get to hear the second song until later but it was just so interesting like just the and I've, I know a lot of great uh, songwriters and musical people but your sense of melody man is next level the oh. way you just find a melody wow and how quickly you find a melody that's so like that feels like it's always been there Oh man! Like that is really insane to me. Thank you. That no, it's, it's, I was having that. I, I, this whole weekend has been. Uh, this entire week has been literally like the week of epic conversations. I think you and I said it the other night. Like literally, yeah. it's been hard for me to sleep every night in this trip mm-hmm. uh, because my my body's tired, but my mind is still going from some great deep conversation yes. about whether it's the church or, or faith or uh, creativity and songwriting and and all of that stuff. It's just it's stimula- It's so stimulated that it's hard for me to actually get to sleep. But one of those conversations that happened throughout the week was just the, the question of, you know, where, where do melodies even come from? Mm. And I've actually thought about that a lot and as a songwriter. And then just, I just love music and just kind of going, man, where do melodies come from? You know, it's, and, and every writer's different. Some writers are, um, they're storytellers yeah. at first, really. So they, they think in meter, they think in rhyme. Uh, they, you know, it's like they sit down and just, incredible rhyme rhyme schemes just come out of them left and right it's like just their natural instinct it's the way yeah. they kind of resound when they get inspired and um, and then it'll be around other writers that, that are more melodic in nature mm-hmm. and I've definitely started off more of a, more of a melody uh, writer I guess as my base and foundation and started writing and but that's always puzzled me as a melody writer over the years just kind of going where do they come from mm-hmm. you know like and I think G.K. Chesterton talked about the uh, creative compost heap um, yeah. that as if you're whether you're a creative writer, a storyteller, an author, um, you know any kind of artisan uh, in any of the, the arts, uh, that how important it is to put deep things um, that require some depth uh, creatively, that challenge you a little bit creatively, mm-hmm. to put those in you as much as possible because your subconscious is building up this creative compost heap of all these things you've put in you, yeah. and your knee-jerk reaction to melody or whatever is also Part of it is unique, but then part yeah. of it is actually drawing off of all those influences. Sure. And so it's it's partly uniquely you and partly all the things you've put mm-hmm. in. And so um, I'm understanding that. I'm trying to get better about that, but it's still a mystery to me. I And, you know, I guess I um, heard Jordan Peterson talk about how, you know, nine, over 99% of your 
over, or over 90% of your thinking is subconscious. You don't even know mm. you're thinking it. So, so maybe that is where the melody starts somewhere and I have, and we have no clue where it's, or the lyric mm. is starting there and we have no clue it's there until it just sort of appears. And it's, mm. it's wild to me how that happens. It, it is a great question. Where do the melodies come from? Yeah. So does it, um, and I know that, I mean, that's sort of like the great infinite question, but does it, does it start with melody for you more so than yeah. words? Yeah. Uh, well, it, over the it's morphed over the years. Um, w- when it started with writing, it was definitely it started with with mel- with melody, and the melody would feel like you wanted to sing something. Like mm. you would you would just kind of be singing gibberish, and there would be some kind of word in there that felt good to sing. Yeah. So sometimes it would literally just be a simple zack going, "Man, how can how can I shape something around that feeling when I mm. say that word?" Um, and but then other times, la- more. Uh, more lately, it's been it's really just been me kind of thinking on an idea, thinking on something that was really um, that either God has been speaking into my heart, or or it's just something that comes from a stimulating conversation that that really keeps me spinning. And I'll be thinking about that idea and try to as as the the conversations dialogues going on in my head, yeah. I'll kind of go there. A melody will start to slowly emerge that sounds like that conversation, mm. and. Uh, that's that's been a really interesting thing for me. I was listening to um, John Mayer talk about uh, one of his latest songs. He's a really deep thinker, but it was one of his latest yeah. songs, uh, "Still Still Feel Like Your Man," mm. and it's so it's, a, it's a great vibe of a song. But the lyrics are really really unique, and you immediately identify with them if you've ever been through like a really bad breakup or anything like that. But he was uh, talking about how he sat on. He said, "I sat on this." This idea he had he had one lyric and it was uh, I still keep your shampoo in my shower because uh, wow. uh, you know uh, just in just in case you basically something like just in case you come back in my life because as long as it is there as long as it's there I still feel like your man mm. as long as your shampoo's still in my shower I still feel like your man so he had that lyric sitting around his head but he had never really put a melody and he had this like two or three days off in his schedule where it was this you know random opening in a schedule where he had nothing planned for three days and he had never tried this before but he was like you know what i'm not i'm not going to voice a melody yet i'm just going to like because as soon as you voice something yeah it's already kind of becoming something mm. and he said he said i kind of i wanted to see how long i could sit in this imaginative state where it's just in my head and there's nothing to distract me and obviously you can't do that all the time because sometimes conversations and somebody will sing something and you really have to get that melody out before it disappears like smoke you know mm. <laughs> so you have to trap it in your phone somehow yeah. um but he he had the luxury of being able to just be by himself for a couple of days so mm. while he was driving around didn't turn on the radio he just sat in this idea about what he was going through with this hard breakup you just went through that that lyric idea and it's kind of just imagining what mm-hmm. what does it sound like to sing that mm. and that was a really wild conversation and and that really took me some and it's taken me some interesting places in songwriting recently mm. kind of going what does it sound like uh, melodically mm. uh, this question or this dialogue yeah. you're having about yeah. this issue wow cuz it it feels like sound can get to a a truth. I mean, it's one of the reasons. You know, it's funny. I'm. It's. It's not like a jealousy, but I love music so much. My friends always talk about being like the most musical, non-musical person. I'm such a fan. But it is part of why I do write poetry. Why I love poetry. That's right. That's right. Because there is a thing even finding the rhythm that I just like. It seems like sonically sometimes you can get to the truth of something way better than words can go. Like there are places that like prose just can't go. Sure, but like that, saying, but yeah. where, where a sound can. Yeah. So I love that idea of even starting there of trying to yes. find a sound that identifies. I love the like you by the way. I so identified with this week has been that way. It's like I've literally had a hard time sleeping as little sleep as we've got. 
I've had a hard time going to sleep when my head does hit the pillow because I'm so overstimulated yeah. <laughs> by all the amazing conversation. And, and it's been that rich. Yeah, yeah. But I love the conversation we had when we were at the house the other day, kind of doing the songwriting thing, talking about even how place and location plays into that. Like yes. how there's like it, being in, a, in, in an old house, it's yes. like you have access to things. Yes that seem to have happened there or being in certain kind of spaces, there's yeah. stuff you can tap into. You can't tap into other places. Yes. Yeah, and you, you were talking about an experience you had with that recently. Yes. So it was, it was this week. Um, you know, well, first of all, being coming from East Texas, coming from Baytown, Texas, outside of Houston, where, and I love, I love my hometown cause family's there. So I'm not dogging it, but coming from a place where it's just chemical plants, mm. it's flat, the yeah. oldest thing we have in Texas is like what from like the 1800s, like, and that's like yesterday here. Sure. Uh, and then you come to Ireland and or anywhere here in Europe, and it's just, you know, somebody's doorknob is older than America. You yeah, know, it's right? Like, sure, that's, that's true. That's a wow. wilder. That's a really wild place to be for as an American, and so um, and it's very humbling. And we mm. we went to. Um, uh, a lovely man named Richard. We went to his home, mm. and I think his wife's name is Karen. If I'm not mistaken. But we went to we went to their home uh, there in Ireland, and their house has basically become this prayer retreat for people. It's a miracle how they got their house, uh, but their house is it, it's like the early 1600s, something along those lines. Um, very old home, and but the back of their home has this little chapel in it. That's basically this small uh, chapel house of prayer thing and inside their living room they had this old kind of old upright piano and there was so weird as soon as I walked into their home uh, there were some conversations happening and I just kind of was like looking around and it's you know you gotta have to duck to get in because it's so old and, mm-hmm. and I, sat, I definitely had to duck yeah you, you definitely had to duck I had a little less of a duck I, I, I feel like I feel like I didn't have to duck but I ducked just for my confidence like I just <laughs> that's amazing I was like you know what this is one of the few houses that I could get away with a duck <laughs> that's I can't, so awesome I can't get away with a duck most places but I could here and nobody would look at me weird you know um, so but I sat down at their, at their little piano there and it was so strange mm. it's, a, it's the first time it's me in a while where literally a melody immediately came out wow and and that that was strange to me because I wasn't thinking about anything I was I don't well, at least I don't think I was um, I wasn't thinking about a melody wasn't thinking about a song I just sat down and this thing flew you know just flowed out and this mm. um, this little melody and chord progression immediately I put it down because I knew and that because I knew it was gonna hop into conversation I didn't want it to disappear so I put it down on the phone and it ended up becoming a beautiful song that was we finished. I finished later with uh, Zach Smith, who's oh, one of the other guys here this song. week. Yeah. And, um, but it was just so amazing to me that thought came. Man, there there is music in places. Yeah. There's melody yeah. in places. There's story in places. And uh, it really, you know, Brian Eno wrote an entire book, I think. Um, mm. uh, and he's a wonderful producer, produced some of, the, some of the YouTube stuff. Um, and but he he talked about that same thing. And and mm-hmm. and. I'm slowly catching up to it that, that there is, literally is music and that location defines the kind of music made in made yes. in it. Um, and obviously, as a believer, and I look at the Word of God and it talks, you know, everything from Old Testament stories about how the the, the soil is crying out, you know, yeah. to God. And and you know, if we do believe that creation is alive in some sense mm-hmm. and has some kind of interaction with humanity, yeah, then then that would make sense to me. Uh, it's a mysterious thing, but it would make sense to me how you can walk into a home and 
something to do with the things that have happened there, yeah. the conversations that have taken place, the, the, the love that's there in that place, the relationship, that it does affect the atmosphere of a place. And, mm-hmm. and you can somehow, it just feels a little bit, you know, here in Ireland, in Ireland they had that whole idea of thin places, that yes. entire yes. idea that some places feel a little bit closer to heaven than others. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, I wouldn't say there's like any kind of theological a truth foundation for that that'd be tough to, for me to map out because I'm not a theologian but it does feel true in yeah. my own life yeah. that uh, some places are like that so man I'm, I'm already planning a trip to come back I'm like god I just, I just yeah. want to come back and yeah. and the other day I was I was at um, when we were staying at Paul and uh, Paul and Lorraine's house uh, there in Ireland they have this little um, there's all these little co- what I love about here is that there's all these little coves and streets and mm-hmm. just these little things that it seems like a something's waiting for you there in that street. You yes, know? yes, <laughs> that absolutely. That if you walk down right. it, you might experience something. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's so foreign to where I live, you yeah. know, and um, I was walking down this little lane behind their house and there's birds singing and it's just trees overhanging and it's, mm. you know, it just, it just rains so like the dripping of all the water was hitting the ground, yeah. you know, from the trees are kind of like shedding all the water. It was, it was really, mm. it was really poetic and I'm just sitting back there going, how do you not write songs here? Right. Like, yeah, you know, totally. <laughs> they're just totally. waiting for you. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I'm so, I'm just so intrigued by that idea. And it's interesting even you bringing up Brian Eno because, partly because of my YouTube fandom, but even on his own terms now, like, I'm such a fan of Eno. Of course, he's such a philosophical cat. He is. And he he's is. like, he is. he's just, he's just so interesting to me in that yeah, way. I mean, everything from, they haven't been as useful to me as I'd like them to be, but you know, I even have those like <laughs> oblique strategy cards. He's oh, done here to those. Yes. Uh, but I mean, you know, even some of the great U2 records, I mean, getting the band to go to Berlin to record, record Octung Baby. They knew that they felt like they'd come to the end of an era and they felt like they need to completely reinvent. So they intentionally go to Berlin because that's right when the wall was coming down. Wow. And they wanted to tap into kind of the vibe of what does it sound like? Isn't that amazing? A place that's kind of experiencing freedom Revolution in this way for the first time. Yeah. And they want, like they wanted like, to kind of plug into that in some way. So, or um, I know I mentioned that, we were talking about this the other day, for me writing How to Survive a Shipwreck, I feel like I had to get to New Orleans because there's right. there something about... The soul of the city, even literally the city beneath the sea. And I feel like That's I was true. kind of in the underside of my life. It's like that was the place for me to connect with that. I just I, I couldn't write it where I came from. It That's wasn't exactly accessible right. to me there. So somehow the way that like the the right place can open up something in you in that way. There's definitely some something mysterious. Yes. I, I don't know how to account for it, but there's something yes. real, I think, yeah. about it. Oh, that's so true. And I... Um, yeah, it, it really does, and it really does humble you in a lot of ways, and excite you because it, yeah. it gets you to a place where you're like, man, it it excite it, it it makes me more excited about traveling, mm. you know. And I think um, this this trip has kind of renewed something in me about about traveling because we've been traveling since I was I'm 31 now. Our band started traveling full time when I was 16. Wow, on the road and touring and yeah. and. You know, I have a baby girl. She's about to, she's about to be one, and mm. like you know, been married for eleven years. And I kind of go like, man, there's sometimes where I'm just like, man, I just want to get a nine to five job. I want to be home sure. every night sure. and just stop living out of a suitcase. Mm-hmm. But then like when I experience trips like this, and it's been tough being away from my wife, it's been tough being away from my daughter. I can't wait to get back home. But but the one give of this trip has been. Mm the people yeah. and the location. Yeah. It's been both. Mm-hmm. It's been, you know, meeting you, having the conversations we've had that and and like almost like the genesis of, of friendships, which is awesome. Sure. And and that stimulates so much. But then it's also been the place that we are, um, 
is has something inherent about it that's really valuable and deep. And that's actually been really inspiring to me. I mean, I'm literally going, man, I just I just want to come back and sit somewhere really beautiful and just yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Um, what's waiting for you in some places? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like a treasure hunt. You know, like there's things waiting that. for you in certain places. And um, that's been inspiring to me. So I know yeah. there's a tension between, on the one hand, I know there's a time and place to show up at the same time at the same place doing the same thing. Exactly. I mean, on the writing side, you know, um, Stephen King, of course, is so prolific. I mean, I know he talks much about, like, he... Basic for I don't know how many years now, he's written from six a.m. to twelve p.m. religiously. I mean, like maybe two days a year he does it. But I, there's something to like that kind of rhythm. But I also feel like I'm kind of at a place in my life to where, to what you were saying, it's like the way I think about anything creative is shifting so much because it's like I'm just seeing you can't. It's not a matter of mustering something up. That's right. Powering through, mm-hmm. and it's much more. How do I get to a place and a posture where I'm kind of able to open up my heart, open up my hands, and receive the gift of this particular place, wherever that place That's is, right. including home? That's right. Like, what's the gift of this place? What's the gift of this moment? Yeah. How can I be open to that? Yes. You know, because if there is some sense that, you know, whatever of that is God, whatever that is, God in the uh, places and people around us. Yeah. I don't know. Just, but just more like That's that right. sense of, of how can I get in the place and posture to receive this gift as opposed to trying to make something happen. Exactly. Those are two very different they, mentalities. They are and it's and it's almost like they're opposed or at war with one another and I and and I've been in my own life cuz I've I've been around some amazing songwriters that I really look up to and inspire and inspire to be more like that um, that live in Nashville that do the 9 to 5 songwriting thing yeah. and and they're prolific. They, I mean amazing storytellers. Um, they'll sit but at the same time too I've also been in some rooms where people do that and it's and it doesn't seem to be very fruitful you know this this song is just kind of like okay it's a song but is it a great song you know and so it's it's both and then i've been around some people who they live by inspiration Mm. and 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 they seem to write really great stuff and then some people who who believe that their song came straight from heaven and it's the worst thing you've ever heard in your life right so so it's (laughs) like it's it really is some kind of tension between the two Mm. and and i and i'm still trying to figure that out I, i do believe that because we're all unique different individuals um uh, I think one of the one of the things that's been true for me becoming a better songwriter is really just helping having a better understanding as yourself as a person. Mm. When you start understanding yourself a little bit more as a person, yeah. you understand how you think, how you process melody and story, um, and you kind of you get into your rhythm as a writer, and it mm. might look a lot different than someone else's, and being okay with that. Um, but yeah, for me, it's 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 been I've kind of shifted into a place where it's it's less militant and it's more. Um, or even disciplined, and it's more just like I want to be disciplined about having my antennas out all day long. Yeah, well, you know, that's good. just having that's them really up and ready mm-hmm. because if if I'm ready for them, yes. there could be a great word that somebody says or conversation. Yeah. And I guess the one take from that is that you kind of maybe look like a little bit like the lunatic sometimes, and sure. you're always going off. <laughs> Sure. And yes. humming gibberish yes. into your phone, <laughs> but I guess I'm kind of okay with being the weirdo yeah. and 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 doing that, and you know, and because it, it has scored some great things, mm-hmm. um, and some great things have come have come out of it. So it's mm-hmm. I guess it's worth the, the take for me, in, in my opinion. But I, f- I it's I feel that way as a writer these days. Like I don't want to freak people out, but I find myself wishing that I had an actual notebook out sometimes for almost every conversation I'm in because I find it's so consistent. Yes. that you know, like you hear something that even just somebody in your life who um, 
is not necessarily creative or something. It says something like, wow, that's so resonant. That's so profound. That's yes. so, you know, it's just a bit wanting to yes. capture those moments and to hold on to them. And yes. just there's something about just living awake. That's uh, true. Frederick Bigner's phrase of listening to your own life. I mean, that, oh, wow. that's everything. Listen wow. to your life. That's, that's huge. That's huge. Well, I think that's well a great example of that. Like this week, um, we've had some great conversations, and of course, coming over here to uh, to Europe uh, since Trump has been elected, every single and even before even during the election, it seems like at some point I have to prepare myself. There will be a, some, uh, you know, what do you think about Trump? And they'll sure. and they'll dive straight into it, and you know, and it can it can become a very messy conversation, and 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 for me, um, you know, it it can definitely. I've just been, and, and not even so much the, the political conversation. It can be the same thing and theologically when we get in conversations about questions and, and mystery and, and what do you think, what do you believe about these major issues? And there's something about it there uh, that I noticed recently in myself, and it was definitely, it really came to a head during the, during the election, post the election, and then throughout this time has been... Um, just this defensiveness to try to defend myself and defend mm. what I believe, mm. um, instead of just listening to other people from a from a yeah. posture of actually caring about them and loving for them, mm. and 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 really trying to hear them out and hear what they what they have to say and their concerns and their questions, and just not being so haughty and so prideful, um, yeah. and that's been the biggest thing is is God's been really doing breaking something in my life uh, that. And I'm, I'm happy he's there, and it doesn't feel good, but I'm happy he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And and so listening to that that my life, listening to that thing, that yeah. those conversations I felt like God was having in my heart, of, even this week about, you know, why do you feel so quick to like defend yourself? Mm. Why do you feel so quick to just like, you know, it? And why aren't you okay with just saying, man, that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah. yeah why aren't you just okay yeah. with saying I don't know? Yeah. I don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm finding myself. Recently, just saying, I don't know. That's a really mm. good point. I don't know, man. Mm. You know, I, I just don't know. And and like I, I'm I'm being okay with that. And mm. um and, I, and maybe it comes from my background and, and maybe just the, the part of the country I live in. It seems like you have to have a really yes. foundation for every single thing that you believe. Yeah. And it's like you know, not everything is that way. You know, there yeah. are some things. Yeah, of course, there are some things we we need foundations for. But there are some things that are just like there. Maybe they're a mystery, and maybe. It's just okay. It's part of relationship, and mm. and you know, Jason said this this week that he was like, you know, I, um, I don't. He said I I I've, I find the person of Jesus, yes. and knowing him, is the foundation of yeah. my life. Yeah, uh, and it's it's almost that idea of you know Jesus saying you search the scriptures because you think there's life in them, mm-hmm. uh, but all of them are, are pointing to me. Yeah. And you know, if you come to me, you'd have life. And that idea, just you know, when I come mm. to him. Um, I still have questions. I still have there's mystery. There's a lot of things I do not know uh, more than more than what I think I know. I, a lot of things I don't know, and I'm okay with those things yeah. of saying I don't know when I know Him. Um, and so a, a couple of the songs that came this week were actually songs just coming from that listening to mm. what's going on in my head oh, and in my that. heart. And uh, and that's been the, the big thing is God just saying, you know, what's wrong with being childlike and just saying you don't know? Yeah, man, that's so that. <laughs> That's so profound to me, because I and it, and it resonates on a lot of levels. I mean, for one, <laughs> a doing a daily podcast and even other things that I do, I'm sure I seem opinionated enough. But you know, it's funny. I mean, my last book came out in 2016, and the idea was I, I totally planned. I was under a contract for the second book. I was going to be done with that by the end of the next year. It's still not done. Hoping to finish it in the next few months. It has taken me. 
forever to do. And in the meantime, I thought there's all these other things I'm doing. Like, why is this taking so long? But I feel like, because, you know, I feel like there's something about writing for me that's, um, that is, especially a book project, is a little bit different in terms of, I, I feel like it's more that's where God has had me. Is I almost like these last few years, I've just been learning so much. It's almost like a listening tour. Like, I'm being so shaped by voices I would not have heard before. Wow. That it, I almost feel like I've been kept from saying too much or saying things I don't even want to say because there's, there was just more listening to be done. Wow. The, to go back to the Chesterton quote even yes. you kind of open with, that needed to kind of go into the pile to where I just wasn't ready to put stuff out there. And that I, makes it's, so much sense. It's, it's, it's hard to be patient when you feel like, you know, um, there's a certain kind of, I don't know, um, I mean, thankfully my publisher's been kind for one <laughs> to kind of give me the room. But, you know, even the, the kind of uh, pressure I put on myself that I need to, to have a thing done. But I feel like there was just more ways that I needed to kind of be instructed. And when you take that posture more um, of, of listening and listening to stories and just being a little bit more open-ended, I mean, I, I don't know. I've just kind of, I just keep going to this place because... I am. I do feel much more connected to the essential truth of Jesus and the reality of Jesus than yeah. I ever have. Yeah. But in terms of almost everything else, like I feel like we're we're almost always we're we're certain about the wrong things, and we think what God wants is certainty. And I'm, I'm more and more thinking like God wants to make us less certain because uncertainty is actually what produces trust. Like yeah, you know, that's true. It, when we're uncertain, that's, that's when we actually have trust. And it's it's it, and it produces humility. Yes. It, yes. When you start exploring those, and I think for me, it's been uh, God shifting the motive of my heart. Mm. You know, even in terms of why are you when 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 I'm going into a conversation with with friends or new friends, like conversations we've had, um, and people that you meet. Uh, it's almost like the Holy Spirit has been speaking directly to the motive of my heart. Mm. What is the motive going into this conversation? Is your motive to, you know, prove to everyone how, how intelligent you are, mm. how creative you are? Um, is your motive uh, to listen, to, to go, aha, you know, that's, I, I, I thought they thought that way. Mm. I, I, I picked you out, you know, from a yeah. mile away. Or is, or is your motive to go in and say, I, there's a lot of things I don't know. Mm. Um, there's a lot of God in a lot of people yes. uh, that if I'll listen, there's yes. truth, there's beautiful truth for me to hear that could change something and unlock something in my life. Yeah. So going in with humility and understanding that every single person's a unique individual created by yeah. God that has something special to say to me mm-hmm. uh, that actually could change the way I think about God, think, mm-hmm. change the way in a really good way, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I don't really understand it, that I walk away edified. And so the, the motive for me diffuses all of that stuff and it, yeah. and it actually makes it laughable to me yeah. it makes it like really you're going to go in with that posture like mm-hmm. and so that's been the thing that God's been really speaking to me a lot and mm. and you know I, I was thinking about this the other day I was kind of going because um, I've, I've felt I felt so inspired this trip and I've written in the past you know probably f- uh, five or six days I felt like I've had more it's felt a little more prolific this trip yeah. than like let's say two weeks ago mm. at home, and I and I wondered, um, 
why that was, and I feel like part of it was just is that my antennas were up, and I knew I was yeah. going to a special place, and I knew that there was probably something there, and and maybe that's I should have them out a little more, and I and, and be a little more expected when I'm at home. Um, but one of the things was is that uh, that I I got while I was just sitting down, listening to everybody talking, and it was amazing conversations at Paul's house, just sitting on the couch, and I'd already just left an amazing conversation, and I was just kind of watching it all go down and happen, and it was so beautiful. And then I was having a little journal out, and. I just, the idea kind of came across, you know, like different, you know, woodwind instruments. So you have Mm -hmm. like a saxophone and a French horn. Mm -hmm. They are both, uh, you know, soprano sax sounds completely different than a French horn, but the mechanics of them are virtually the same. They look Mm -hmm. totally different. Uh, They look like they're designed differently, but the, the basic mechanics are the same in the sense that they, the designer has to breathe some kind of wind into it correctly, yeah. and when they breathe this wind, it resounds on a specific sound, mm. and it has its own unique identity and sound to it, um, and it even looks uniquely different from a French horn, the sax mm-hmm. does, and vice versa, and both of them are beautiful when they're played by themselves, but they're much more beautiful when they're played inside of a a, a symphony of sorts, an entire an entire section, yeah. where the French horns and the saxophones are working together to create something bigger than themselves, yes. and they're just one small piece of it. And it's a very it's a very childlike metaphor, but mm. that idea came through, and I was just going, man, like, you know, at this, we all we resound differently, but the mechanics are the same, yes, and the same yes. that we all need humility to understand that yeah. we need some kind of wind, we need the inspiration we need god is is the wind and we need him uh, yeah. to resound in a specific way and and i guess being understanding that you are unique mm-hmm. and have something really unique uh, to resound to me yes. about god that i that i don't know because yes. I, I i resound differently yes. and um and here and being open to that has, has been mm-hmm. huge and then also the humility that that it's that there's there's greater meaning for me when I understand that I'm a part of something bigger than me. Yes. Uh, there's hu- humility in going, my sound isn't the only sound, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of other sounds that, that, that need to be heard, mm-hmm. a lot of other voices that need to be heard. And and I just want, I want to play my part, not in opposition, but I want to play my yeah. part in in unity. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. And there are these, and there, th- it, unity, there is this, um, there are these things that hold us together that I'm just convinced, that especially as people of faith, that run that can run deeper than ideology. And I know you've got a good place. Set no, no, we're fine. So, we're, fine. we're fine. We're good. But I, um, I, that just made me. Th- my um, one of my a former professor of mine, John Christopher Thomas, amazing New Testament scholar, used used this analogy. I've never forgot it. Where he would talk about, and he was actually talking about the diversity within the Christian canon, where there's you know kind of certain tensions. That he would use the analogy of like a black gospel choir about the role of dissonance within the choir. How wow. like you know if you hear the, just individual voices, like you'd be struck by the dissonance, but the unique, the blend and the power of that dissonance. How the, the essential unity within that diversity. And again, he's talking about diversity within the canon. But I wow. think about that so often as like a broader way of thinking about unity that it's not always everybody. Unity doesn't have to mean always singing the same note. That's exactly right. <laughs> that there's a kind of unity that can only come through diversity that's much more beautiful and much more rich and much yes. more textured yes. than like lets everybody sing the same part oh the same way. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> that's so true. And I've just noticed that in my own life that um, even in even in the context of uh, different, different denominations and different expressions and streams of the yeah. church, I've been in Catholic services where I've, and, and this is coming from a Pentecostal conservative uh, Southeast Texas background, yeah. right? And I've been in Catholic services. Uh, like one of my friends had a Catholic wedding 
and mm. and I was able to to be stand there and, and watch the ceremony and and I was one of the one of the groomsmen there, but just watching the way that they their their traditions and some of the liturgy they went through um, uh, throughout this the ceremony was so beautiful and I was just mm. kind of going man my wedding sucked <laughs> like, <laughs> like their wedding was so much yeah. it felt so much more meaningful yeah, yeah. and and obviously I know it's not true but but it's but it really did it really did minister to me and yeah. I was going man like I got so much from just their wedding ceremony mm. I was like I need to go to a Catholic service I'd probably just get so get so much inspiration and yeah. from from just diving into that more and mm. and and vice versa I've been I've been in you know conservative churches where they where they uh, they pull out a hymn book and go into some hymns and I'm like man I'm just so moved by that yes, and yes. at the same time I come from a stream where there's shofars and flags and people dancing and same. and and, and and you know and I've you know and and I've I'll still be in services where you know. I might laugh at somebody waving a fire flag and, yeah. and kind of, you know, and, and in my heart maybe mock a little bit until until you 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 get around the person, you hear their mm-hmm. testimony and their story, and they tell you their story and why they like to dance yeah. and, and, and and wave flags and I just yeah. and immediately I'm broken and humbled and I'm like, oh right. my gosh, like who am I to say that that's some kind of yeah. stupid thing to be doing that's you know, that's not adding any value to the body of Christ. So yeah. so for me, it's been a very humbling journey the past few years. Mm. Some of my friends in these different streams and going, gosh. And if that's true in the body of Christ, right. how much more true is that outside of the canon? Yeah. Like you're talking yeah. about. Just in the greater society, how much yeah. more true is that of of people that they have some kind of truth to tell yes. you that if you're yes. humble enough to listen, it can change the way you think. You oh, know? that's so good. That's, that's, awesome. that's, that's a lovely place to land. I'm so with you. Like I... Thinking about the people blowing shafars because even that and dancing in that way, where it's like, <laughs> hey, there's something so beautiful about that lack of inhibition. Like, what yes. is it to, to getting outside of self in that way? Yes. Like, there's something so like, yes. and you know, everything everything belongs in it that does. way. To, it to, does. Uh, that's lovely. Well, Leland, thank you for the time, thank my friend. You. This has been an amazing Gosh, it's week. Been amazing. It's been so amazing. It's awesome. Thanks, Jonathan. It's so awesome. I hope we get to hang out again very yeah. soon. Oh, we will. And definitely want to have you back on the podcast. Oh, so. Amazing. Thanks. Honored, my friend. Honor. Well, thank you guys for listening. And as always, appreciate you hanging out. Um, we are just a couple weeks into this new venture. So certainly appreciate if you share in any form, like, review, subscribe. Uh, for those interested uh, in supporting on Patreon, that's uh, connected to my website, JonathanMartinWords.com. Especially appreciate you guys for helping to make this happen on a weekly basis. So love y'all and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care.